This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. What is going on? It is so great to sit here and talk about a sport where we don't have to throw out the phrase load management. We don't have to throw out the phrase um, taking a maintenance day unless the maintenance day is a morning skate or a practice because in the NHL, you play. And, and I got to say this, and everybody knows that I'm a hockey guy, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're a hockey guy or gal. So I'm kind of uh, preaching to the choir here. But, you know, there's no tanking. You know, teams are bad, they're bad. But you know what? They come to play. You know, the Devils last night lost to the Rangers, and the Devils just they are not an NHL team right now with so many injuries. Zaka's out, Bratt's out, they traded Palmieri, they traded Zajac, and they lost 4 nothing. but they came with an effort. You know, look at Buffalo. They win in Washington last night, 5-2. to two. They've traded away everybody. You know, they're not thinking about the first pick. They want to put quality efforts together. They want to win. The other night, it was Ottawa, you know, beating Winnipeg and then then fighting and losing by a goal. The next night, they played Winnipeg. Ottawa's got nothing to play for except they're professionals, and they take pride in what they do. And of all the professional athletes, and maybe because I'm closer to hockey, you know, covering the Rangers and traveling with the team and, and kind of knowing the ins and outs of the players – that you know, they, they just have a little bit more pride, I think, in, in what they're doing. They, they care about their brand just like anybody does. But at the end of the day, what they're really striving for is to be the best player they can be. And they t- treat each game like it's a must-win. And I, I appreciate that. Now, you'll see when a team has already clinched first place that maybe they'll rest certain guys. But you know, not when there's still a dozen or so games left in the season. Not when first place is still up for grabs. Not when home ice is still up for grabs. So, and listen, I, that's my little uh, soliloquy on that, and and I'm preaching to the choir. I know you guys love it, but um, I just find it really interesting that this is the one sport you don't have to worry about it. The NBA, baseball, uh, football's exempt because there's only 62 games, so every game is important. But of the three sports that have uh, big, long seasons, like 82 or 162 games, um, guys come to play. And, and, and the Rangers last night... Panarin is so good. I mean, really, it's been a long time since the Rangers have had a player that just kind of captivated you. Now, I I think Zabanajad can be that type of player, but on a consistent basis, it's Panarin. And over an 82-game schedule, look what he'd be able to accomplish. And and his first 100 games as a Ranger, he broke the record for points. And you think about it, Mark Messier had it. Think of where Mark Messier was in his career in relation to Panarin, right? I mean, Mark Messier was already established as a Hall of Fame player. And when he joined the Rangers in 91, the league was so wide open. There was so much offense. And even though the league has done a good job to become more offensive, especially in the post-pandemic era and certainly in the post-lockout era, it's not like it was in the 80s and early 90s. You know, in 1991, Mark Messier was in a league where you could score 70 goals and 60 was commonplace. And now it's unheard of. So for Panarin to be able to score more points in 100 games than Mark Messier just tells you how special the guy is. And he can just absolutely positively dominate a game. Now, I know they were going up against a glorified AHL team last night, but he's not just doing it against the Devils and the Sabres. He's doing it against the rest of the division. And this is the best division, I think, in the NHL when you're going up against you know the likes of Pittsburgh and Washington and the Islanders on a daily basis, and Boston's pretty good. For be able to put up the points that he's putting up has just been incredible. Now, can the Rangers make the playoffs? And this will be a discussion, hopefully, till the end of the year. If you're a Ranger fan, they're four points back of Boston – 
Boston's got two games in hand. Boston had a nice win last night against the Islanders. Nice when you consider they threw 45 shots on goal, and they had 23 shots on goal in the first period, did the Bees. That's the first time they've had that many shots in a first period since 1995, 26 years ago. And now Tukarask is back. So did the Rangers miss their opportunity with all the injuries that Boston has? But that's a good win for Boston, knowing the Rangers are going to win their game against the Devils. So they maintain the four-point lead. Now tonight, Boston's going to get up against the Islanders again. And you know the Islanders will make the adjustments. That's going to be a tough hill to climb for Boston, you would think, tonight. Uh, So maybe... The door could be open is when the Rangers play uh, tomorrow against the New Jersey Devils. They can actually close that gap to two. So that could be very interesting. Tuca is going to be a scratch tonight. He's not going to play the second of back-to-backs. Swayman looks like he's going to go for Boston. So that's that's a pretty um, interesting matchup. And and maybe the Rangers can close the gap. Two more games with the Devils here. And I know, and that was the talk of conversation when they started the four straight games against the Devils, that even though the Devils are playing out the string and they traded so many pieces – that it's still tough to beat a team four consecutive times. But when you look at the first two games, 7 nothing combined score for the Rangers to win. Rangers played, I thought, awful in the first game and still managed to win the game 3 nothing. So bad in the first two periods that Jacob Truba had to talk to the team. He stuck his head into David Quinn's uh, room and said, you want to talk to these guys? And he's like, no, you talk to them. And then he kind of took over, and the Rangers played a better third period, won the game 3 nothing, and dominated last night. New Jersey only had 16 shots on goal. But you, know, you look at those first two games. I, I, if the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they got to sweep the weekend. You know, they've got the game coming up tomorrow, 12-30, and then I'm going to have the call with Dave Maloney on Sunday at 3 uh, they're going to have to win both of those games and at least put pressure on Boston. Give Philly credit. They kept pace with a 2-1 uh, shootout victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. So they're trying to kind of right their ship a little bit too. Um, and then the Capitals missed an opportunity to kind of gain a little bit more ground and hold on to first place and, and, and widen their lead over the Islanders to four points. But that was a bad loss against the Buffalo Sabre team. I give them credit. Still going out there and playing. Um after making the trades. And oh, by the way, trading Taylor Hall to Boston and, and Hall did have a big goal in that victory against the New York Islanders. And, and Bork, uh, Bjork, who went over to Buffalo, scored his first goal uh, as, as a Sabre uh, last night. Uh, things falling apart for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They give up four unanswered goals, two in a second, two in the third, lose to the Dallas Stars. So you take a look at the standings there uh, for Columbus and, and, and they're starting to fade here. Uh, the Blue Jackets have dropped down to seventh place. They're right now 10 points out of a playoff spot so it's over for columbus you figure the tortorella era is over dallas still in the conversation five points back but they've got three games in hand on nashville nashville uh had a, had a tough loss last night as they fell to the hurricanes four to one as the hurricanes continue to apply pressure there uh in that uh central division but chicago still with a shot uh but they had a tough loss last night to detroit so you're starting to see these teams struggle just a little bit. So Nashville's got that playoff spot. Four on Chicago, five on Dallas. But if I were to bet Dallas with the better goal differential of plus nine, I probably would have Dallas the better chance than Chicago just because of having the three games in hand. That is going to be pretty big um, for the Dallas Stars, who've kind of had an up-and-down season for sure. 
but uh, they may have the best chance to do it. But again, no disrespect to Detroit, but you know Chicago, you got to win these games. You got to win these games against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, if you and, and like I said, uh, if you're the Rangers, got to beat the Devils. You got to beat the Sabers. Can't leave points on the table against teams like that. Maybe the game of the night was Tampa. They win in overtime over the Panthers, three to two, despite being outshot thirty eight. Uh, to 19 in this one and Victor Hedman you know trying to stake claim to the Norris Trophy gets the overtime goal 54 seconds in this was after a, just a back and forth game Hornquist made it one nothing Kalorn tied it for Tampa Duclair gave Florida the lead back only to see Colton tie the game up and then eventually Hedman gets the goal um, in overtime to give Tampa uh, the extra point there but those three teams in the central right the Lightning the Panthers the Hurricanes all battling for for the top spot. We talked about it with EJ back on Tuesday. Again, no disrespect to Nashville, but compared to the other teams in the Central, that's a that's a race to take on Nashville in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, should be a lot of fun as we head uh, down the stretch. Uh, games tonight, we told you the Bruins and the Islanders from Boston. Um, a 6 o'clock start. Flames and the Canadians. Can the Flames catch Montreal? Now, they beat them the other night. Still a lot of work to do for Calgary. And again, the problem with Calgary is in the game's played category because they've played so many games right now the flames sit four points back of the canadians but the canadians have three games in hand now the row wins favor the flames so that's something to keep in mind but that's a lot of work for calgary to do they have won three in a row so they're applying the pressure if they can beat montreal in a regulation tonight hey Facts are facts. You'd still just be two points out of a playoff spot, never mind the games in hand. So that's a huge game tonight up in the Bell Center. Uh, Wild and the Sharks. Sharks trying to hang on here. Kings and the Avalanche. Avalanche are playing tremendous hockey, 9 of 10. And then 10 o'clock, the Golden Knights and the Ducks from Anaheim. The Ducks are in that category, too, at 14, 23, and 7. Got to get two points. All right. The other big story is, and we should mention it because that game between the Oilers and the Canucks postponed Canucks and the Leafs postponed on Saturday as well. All right, I'm not sure if you guys followed it. They have not played a game Vancouver since March 24th because of the COVID protocol. 21 players testing positive. And from what we understand, several of those players got really sick. Well, enough of them have cleared protocol that where the feeling was that they could then go back to action tonight against the Oilers. But JT Miller a couple of days ago really stepped up and I got to know JD JT when he was with the Rangers and um, I don't think he's known as a guy that really speaks uh, his mind, but he's eloquent and he does talk to the media. But I thought he was very, very um, serious when he said, what are we doing here? We haven't played nearly a month. Some guys have really gotten sick. And, and just because we've cleared protocol, should we just jump right into the fray and then play back-to-back games again? I mean, we really need to make sure that everybody is okay, not just able to pass the protocol, but are they physically able to go out there and play the rest of the season? And the NHL and the NHLPA got together and they said, you know what, great point. Um, Let's get further testing. Let's get more practices. Let's bang the two games uh, over the weekend and let's kind of wait a little while longer before we throw them back in. So tentatively now the Canucks are scheduled to play at home against the Leafs on Monday. But obviously, that's going to be up for interpretation as well. Now, the scary thing is, as we mentioned, you know, Monday's the 19th of April. That That's five days shy of a full month that Vancouver has not played. So we've already extended the season to May 16th. So there's going to be a lot of downtime before the playoffs for the other three divisions as the North just scrambles to finish their schedule. 
I'm not sure what the plan would be if there are meaningless games down the stretch, whether they'll just cancel them for Vancouver. But right now, uh, the Canucks are technically alive for a playoff spot and, and do deserve the right to go out there and finish their schedule. 37 games played. They're 10 points out of a playoff spot, but three games in hand on Montreal. So they deserve the right to play, but they also need to make sure that they're okay and that they're not going out there and not physically ready to play. I mean, this is a scary thing. I mean, sometimes we get lost, especially in sports, that the pandemic is some sort of inconvenience. You know, testing positive is an inconvenience. Postponing these games are an inconvenience. And not realizing that those positive tests for some of those players, for the Canucks, they were seriously ill. They were sick. And now they've got to come back here, not just make sure that they're physically ready to come back and play, but you know, worried about what the long-term ramifications are going to be. This is the Brazilian uh, variant. It's, a, it's stronger than the variants that we've had to deal with for the majority of people during this pandemic. So it's more contagious. It's more serious. Now, the players, because their athletes will probably recover, but that's only a probably. You know, are there are there heart conditions that they can have? So I admire and respect JT Miller's concern. Hey, we're hockey players. We've got to play. We've got to get back to work. But this is very, very serious stuff, and a couple of more days isn't going to hurt anybody. We're coming back too early. Could. So good job out of JT Miller, and we'll keep an eye on what happens with the Vancouver Canucks moving forward. Probably not going to make the playoffs, but again, they deserve to at least get a chance to finish their season. Well, it's Friday, and you know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Yeah! All right, this is always a struggle because there's so many good teams and so many teams that have played well. But uh, I did the work on this, and if you're going to start a Top 5, you start from the bottom. Number five. I'm liking, despite the loss last night, this Florida Panther team has been fairly consistent, uh, and they have played well. I mean, right now they are in third place in the Central Division, but they're only a point back of first place. They play two more games uh, than Carolina, one more game than Tampa, but a plus-18 goal differential, 6-3-1 and one in their last 10, and they're going to get stronger down the stretch. They go out and they sign Gusev. When Bennett clears protocol, he's going to join the team. Montour they get from Buffalo. So this is a team that's going to get stronger, going to get better, and I think has an excellent chance to win the division, and I got them at number five. Number four. I got Carolina sitting in first place, uh, six three and one over their last ten as well. Trochank is scoring a ton of goals. Aho scoring a ton of goals, and we've talked about this team many times before. You know, we'll see what their goaltending ends up being at the end of the day. But this team can score with pretty much anybody, and they've got a lot of playoff experience. I mean, this is a team that's kind of uh, over the last couple of years really been a thorn in a lot of team sides, and I think they've got an excellent chance not just to win the Central but win the conference. Uh, or if there is a conference, but at least compete for the best record in the NHL. They've got 60 points. Washington has 60 points, and Colorado's got 64. So they're right there. I've got Carolina at number four. Number three. You know, Toronto's had the Cinderella ride of Campbell come to an end when he was beaten the other night, but still, getting Riddich is going to be great to give depth to this goaltending as we wait for Anderson to come back. Marner's had a tremendous season as well. Uh, Toronto, as we speak, uh, kind of running away and hiding a little bit now. They did lose last night because of uh, well Austin Matthews being out, kind of hurt. 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. They've got a three-point lead on Winnipeg. Better goal differential than Winnipeg, so I shouldn't say they're running 
away, but I do think they're in control. I've got Toronto at number three. Number two. All right, Vegas is putting some pressure on Colorado, right? I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights have won four consecutive games. They're 6-3-1 and one in their last 10, and they've got a plus 42 goal differential. I mean, just a well-rounded, respected team. Pacioretty's become a big-time player for them. He's the guy you want on the ice in the big spot. I got Vegas at number two. Number one. Yeah! Colorado's best team in the NHL. Let's be honest. I think they've surpassed Tampa. You know, plus 53 goal differential, 9-1 and one in their last 10. They've won four in a row, and a lot of it has to do with health, right? When you're able to have McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen in your lineup every single night just shows you just how good and deep this team is. Uh, they were aggressive, I thought, at the deadline, making sure they shored up a lot of interesting uh, positions as they know that they can't just have the early exit like they had last year. Colorado, to me, is every bit the team we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. A little late to the party, but now they're here, and now they are the best team in the National Hockey League. And if I had to pick a team to win the Stanley Cup at this particular moment on April 16th, it would be Colorado, followed by Tampa. But uh, that could certainly change over uh, time. Let's close it out with your tweets. We didn't get to any on Tuesday, so let's do that. Tim says the one-two punch of Mika and Strom, heck, even Heedle number three at center depth isn't broken. It doesn't need fixing. New York Rangers that stay away from Eichel this offseason, regardless of where they finish this season, this team is going places. Do you agree? I do. Um, now, sometimes when you have a chance to get that kind of a player, it's tough to ignore it. But the biggest question coming in for the Rangers is what was going to happen up the middle? You know, Strom is somebody they need to keep. I mean, he is a keeper. He's every bit the player the Islanders selected what with, what, the sixth overall pick in the draft? And it took him time with the Islanders and the Oilers to find himself. He's found himself with the Rangers. Mika, even though he denies it, clearly he was struggling with the COVID early on. He's been great. Heedle. And then you've got, you know, the fourth line with Rooney or Howden playing center. Uh, listen, uh, they're they're starting to develop that depth. It's up the middle in the NHL, right? They're they're solid, better than solid. They're great on uh, on the blue line, and then certainly their goaltending super as well. So you build up the middle, and right now the Rangers have it going on. David says two thoughts. One, I highly enjoyed the Panthers Lightning game last night. If Florida can keep a playoff contender year in and year out, maybe the Tampa Florida rivalry can be one of the best in hockey. And his second point is. How crazy is it that in the 2010 draft, it was all about who would take Sagan and Hall between Edmonton and Boston 1 and 2, and who would have thought a decade later Hall ends up with Boston, who likely would have chose him if the Oilers had picked Sagan. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, but you know what? His his stay in Boston is going to be pretty brief unless he really has an impact on a cup run, but it is kind of ironic how really... When you look at the 10 years, I mean, both are still in the league, but both are not the players that you thought they were going to be. And you're right. I mean, it's been a long time coming here with the Panthers and the Lightning having a rivalry. But if the Panthers can find themselves, Tampa's already established themselves as a cup contender. You know, clearly that could be a great rivalry, no question. Tommy says, hey, Don, with Seattle's addition next year, that's an even 32 teams. Your thoughts on an al- a realignment similar to the NFL's? Eight divisions with four teams. Too often the te- best teams in the conference get stuck playing each other in the first or second round. Right now it just looks like they're just going to move Arizona over to the central and then put Seattle in the west. I, I, let me think about that because the one thing I do like about what we're seeing right now is that battle of um, the four teams – 
making it kind of that old school thing. Eight division seems a little crazy. I'd have to think about that. But right now, it just looks like uh, Arizona is going to move to the central. So I don't know if there's going to be any kind of drastic changes uh, to the format. Remember, they just changed the format, which I don't like, to that NCAA bracket style. Um, But yeah, maybe they got a chance to toy with some things. Next year, Seattle finally makes it into the NHL. Uh, Prune Tracy says, with the best forward in the division in Panarin, probably the best defenseman in Fox, and probably the best goalie in Shesterkin, plus a lot of other quality players, how can you say the Rangers aren't underachieving under Quinn this season by missing the playoffs? Well, again, this is another guy that wants to kill Quinn. All right, here we go. It's so easy to say that now as they're buzzing. But did Panarin not miss, what was it, 11 games because of the the absence, the leave of absence? Uh, was was Zabanajad not a shell of himself at the start of the season? Did Truba not miss eight games? You know, yeah, Fox has been great, but Miller's getting better and better. You, the oldest, outside of Smith, who's in his 30s, your oldest defenseman is, is Jacob Truba at 27. You're playing a kid at Fox. You're playing a kid at Miller. You know, um, Hayek is still a, a, a very young player. Um, Shesterkin, let's be honest, you can love Shesterkin now, but were you loving him a month ago? when he hadn't been able to stay healthy and was being inconsistent. you know. So, yeah, right now they're clicking, but when they weren't clicking, it was Panera was out of the lineup, Zabanajad was a shell of himself, Truba was out, Heedle was out for a little. Heedle missed 14 games. People are talking about him really rounding into making the center position actual depth for the Rangers. He missed 14 games. Plus, you're trying to get Kako going. You're trying to get Lafaniere going. By the way, Kako never got a chance to finish his rookie season. By the way, Lafaniere didn't get to go to Traverse City. Didn't have a training camp. Didn't have an exhibition season. His first game, his first taste of the NHL was their first game of the season. And you're starting to see that he is getting better and better. How about the inconsistency of Chris Kreider? And that is maddening sometimes. Is that David Quinn's fault? Come on, man. Wake up! Dick says... How good was Islander sniper Mike Bossy in his prime? How does he compare to the top snipers of the current day in the NHL? He doesn't compare. Um, probably Matthews, because Matthews is a pure goal scorer. Ovechkin's a pure goal scorer, but we're talking about a guy that scored 50 goals in 50 games. We're talking about just an amazing player who had a lot of great players around him. But if you want it comparable, guys that had that kind of nose to the net, you're talking Ovechkin, you're talking Matthews, and that is very, very, very high praise for those two individuals to compare them to Mike Bossy. Robert says, "How often you often mention goal differential is a true measure of how good a team is. Well, the top East... The top team in the East in goal differential, the New York Rangers. Here's the difference, and here's why every statistic is flawed in some way, shape, or form. The Rangers' goal differential has a lot to do with those you know, 9-1 wins, those 8-3 wins. Um, they, they, they seem to do a great job when the game is wide open where they could score. What the Rangers need to do is grind out some of these low-scoring games, which really are going to cost them the playoffs. You know, Those losses early to Pittsburgh. Um, not being able to get that goal to finish off the Buffalo Sabres a couple of weeks ago, leaving a point on the table, which is probably going to kill them at the end of the year. So the Rangers may be an indication, as much as I think that David Quinn's very proud of their goal differential, has been a byproduct of a handful of blowouts, maybe not a true indicator that this team should be better than they actually are. Joe says, do you think David Quinn's seat is starting to warm up? Hard to judge because of a shortened season, but they are a long shot for the playoffs. Is next year the deciding year for him, or does he get more time? Well, here's what I'll say. Nobody's been a bigger defender of David Quinn than me. But 
There's not many excuses going into his fourth year as head coach where this team is really playing the way they're playing right now. If they miss the playoffs, they're just going to miss the playoffs. you got to be a playoff team next year, right? Got to be. Got to be. Um, I don't think there's any question that Boston's getting a little older now. Uh, the, Devils and the Devils are still a far away in that division. Hey, listen, it's going to be a tough division. If they go back to the old format, you know, um, you've got Carolina that's a very good team. The Islanders are a very good team. Capitals, Penguins, but I think the Penguins are getting older. I think the Boston Bruins are getting older. The Columbus Blue Jackets, I think, are going to go into a rebuild during the offseason. So you look at that division, it's a little top-heavy. The Rangers, I think, are a lot closer to the top than they are to the bottom, that's for sure. But, Joe, you make an excellent point. Scholarship will be over. It'll be very difficult for even defenders of David Quinn like me to accept the team not making the playoffs next year. All right, this was a lot of fun. Good to actually get the interaction going again. Back with you again on Monday. EJ will be our guest. The deadline is over. We're heading down the stretch. About a dozen games left for most teams except Vancouver. Um, but we'll see. We'll get the latest on them. Hopefully, they'll have their game on Monday. So, listen, enjoy your weekend. If you're following me, I'm hosting pre and post for the game tomorrow between the Rangers and the Devils. I'll have the call of Ranger Devils on Sunday. A lot of great hockey. Good time to be a hockey fan. And it's all happening here on Game Misconduct, buddy. Take care. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.